When I was growing up, we basically had three TV stations. Now I have some version of cable or sling or something. Thousands of stations, but nothing on worth watching. I mean, but this time of year, mid-July, flipping around the TV set, I'm probably sure you saw it on National Geographic or Nickelodeon, Shark Week. Yeah, it's Shark Week. They show the same things every single summer, you know, different people swimming in the ocean, scuba diving, snorkeling, of course, surfing, and then getting attacked by sharks. And they always say, it was a case of mistaken identity. Right? I love that, as if they can read the shark's mind. He didn't mean to, you know? I don't think that matters, uh, but... Anyway, Shark Week, you know, I really don't like Shark Week. I spend a lot of time in the ocean when I can. And, you know, many times people ask me, well, aren't you afraid of sharks? And I say the same thing every time. Uh, yes, I am afraid of sharks, but I've got a method that allows me to uh, quell my fears. And that is, when I hear the music, I get out of the water. It's that simple. So... The reason that very poor dad joke works is because of the iconic blockbuster movie that came out in 1975 by a young director by the name of Steven Spielberg. The movie, of course, was Jaws. We thought the special effects in Jaws were amazing. Now we look back <laughs> at that mechanical shark and laugh, right? But uh, one of the moments in, in the movie that I think I'll never forget, and those of you who've seen it will not forget, because they hadn't seen the shark yet. So the shark is terrorizing this town off of uh, upstate New York. And so uh, the, the sheriff of the town, the, the chief of police, wants to go out and try to fish and find this massive shark. And so he hires a boat captain, and they go out fishing for this great white shark. Well, little did they know, as they were fishing, the shark was hunting. And the shark was hunting them down. And there's a scene in the movie where Chief Brody, the police chief, is chumming. He's throwing blood and fish guts, sorry about this, into the ocean. It's stinky and smelly. And he's not really a fisherman or a waterman. He's like, hey, why do we have to do this? And as he's chumming and throwing this stuff over the back of the boat, all of a sudden, that great white comes up, roaring out of, the, out of the water. And everybody in the theater, right, just jumps back. I mean, it's such a shocking moment. And then in the movie, the police chief, Brody, starts just backing up, right? And he backs all the way up into the galley there where Captain Quint, the old crusty fisherman, says, Chief, what's the matter? It looks like you've seen a ghost. And the police chief says, we're going to need a bigger boat. <laughs> Many times in the world we live in, I feel like we're all going to need a bigger boat boat. 
As I look at the shark infested waters in 2023, as I look at the economy, as I look at inflation, as I look at the upside down world that we live in, trying to raise kids or grandkids in a world where what is once was right is wrong, what was wrong is now right, uh, in a world that is riddled with violence and a country that's divided politically and ideologically, it is a very difficult place where we live. We are in an ocean filled with all kind of sharks and all kind of threats everywhere we turn. And it feels like to be able to navigate these waters that, that fill us with so much fear we're going to need a bigger boat. But we really don't need a bigger boat. What we need is to get in contact with a bigger God. A bigger God. Many years ago, J.B. Phillips wrote a classic book called Your God is Too Small. And many times we are guilty, even people who are in the church and go to church and Bible study, we're guilty of having this very small diminutive uh, construct of who we think God is and what he can do. But if we're going to deal with the threats and the fears of things that are attacking us in 2023 from all sides, all of us here will need a bigger God. Last week we talked about how we were made to worship our creator God. God has made us and designed us as worshiping creatures and we are made to joyfully worship God. We talked about keeping it 100, Psalm 100, to shout to the Lord, to enter his gates with thanksgiving. We're designed, we're created to worship God. God is the infinite source of everything. He's unlimited in his power. He's unlimited in his knowledge. He's unlimited in his being. He's the ground and the being of beings. He's non-contingent. He's independent. He's unlimited. He has certain knowledge. And he is an all-knowing, transcendent, powerful, holy God. That's who God is. And we've been designed to worship him in every aspect of our life. And today we're going to see, I think, not just how transcendent and awesome and powerful God is, at the same time, God is also very personal, very personal. So I invite you, if you have your Bibles, to open them with me to Psalm chapter 139. Psalm 139, maybe one of the most famous psalms in the, in the book of Psalms, right? Psalm 139. Verse 1. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before. You lay your hand upon me. 
Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's too lofty for me to attain. A few weeks ago, my wife Christy and I were out to dinner with a friend of mine, and we were talking about AI, artificial intelligence. And I really still can't get my mind around AI. But our friend had this app called ChatGPT that I'm sure you've heard about on the news and stuff like that. And she goes, hey, yeah, this is amazing. This is a really amazing tool. Let me show it to you. He goes, it can write a sermon for you right here. Like, you gotta be kidding me. It was like Wednesday, so I was like, I was, I was in, right? So, yeah, just type in a, a cue, like, you know, hey, uh, I'm a Baptist preacher from Texas, and I wanna write a sermon on, I don't know, Psalm 139. And, and as I said that, she typed it in. It just starts in real time, writing out the sermon. Dear brothers and sisters, I'm so glad you're here today. I wanna talk, it, and it keeps going. I, I, I'd never seen anything like it. And when I saw it, I was like, a part of me was afraid. I was scared. I was like, if this sermon's good, I'm going to get really lazy and really good at golf. And so it kind of scared me. But then it was also like, man, what a phenomenal research tool that you have these uh, computers that are able to scan all the knowledge on all over the world and all over the internet and pull it from different sources and organize it in a way that's coherent and organized and it sounds actually like your voice. It's quite amazing. When you think about the knowledge and the intelligence that's out there, how, how much greater is the knowledge of God? And that's what this passage talks about in Psalm 139. It talks about the, to use a theological term, the omniscience of God, that he is all-knowing, that he is totally knowing, that God knows everything. God has infinite knowledge of the past, the present, and the future. God knows all things in advance completely and perfectly. He knows everything exhaustively and comprehensively and eternally. God has numbered and named all of the stars, the trillions of stars. God has numbered the, the number of hairs on your head. Each has a number. God knows when a sparrow falls down from the tree and hits the ground. The knowledge of God, nothing is news to God. God knows what lies around the corner. He knows what will happen tomorrow. He knows what will happen next week, next year. He knows what will happen centuries from now. So on this meta level, this transcendent level, this big God, big boat level, if you would, God is all-knowing. And this psalm puts it in such a personal way. Not only does God know everything, but God knows you. God knows you. And God sees 
you. He knows all of your thoughts before you think them. He knows all the words that you're going to say before you say them. He knows when you're asleep, when you're awake, when you're in your car, when you're in traffic, when you're at work, when you're in a meeting, when you're in those so-called secret places, God knows you. He knows you. Remember when this passage really started to kind of I don't know, click a little bit in my, in my mind and heart was when I was a high school student. You're in high school and it's just, for most people, at least it was for me, you're, you're just awkward and you, know, you feel rejected and no one really understands you. And you know, high school sometimes is something just to be survived, isn't it? And I can remember being on a, a beach retreat and we have those silent sounds where you get out and you have a little sheet of paper in the Bible and you go through a passage. And I remember going through Psalm 139 as an awkward student and looking at those waves and reading Psalm 139 and thinking about, wow, God knows me. God sees me for who I am. God knows your worries. God knows your, your fears. God knows the temptations you're struggling with right now. God knows you. God knows me. And the reaction to the knowledge of God, it's kind of twofold sometimes, isn't it? I mean, there's a part of me when I think about God's knowledge of me, that God knows me, that God knows you. He knows everything about you. He's there. There's a part of me that's comforted. Man, that's great. God knows me. If no one else knows me, God knows me. If no one else sees me, I feel invisible. I know that God sees me. So there's a part of that that encourages me and comforts me. And there's a part of that that scares me. Because he knows everything. I mean, we say we want, I want someone to really, really know me. I want someone to really, really know me. Do you really? Everything? Or do you want people just to know an edited version of you? A filtered version of you? So sometimes the knowledge of God and knowing that God knows us and this sees us, comforts us, other times it causes us to run and flee, to try to get away from that knowledge. Look at verse 7 in Psalm 139. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? 
If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths or Sheol, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me and your right hand will lay a hold of me or hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light will become night around me. Listen, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day for the darkness is as light to you. Have you ever pulled a Jonah and tried to run from God? I won't ask for a show of hands here, but I'll raise my hand. Have you ever tried to flee from God? You ever tried to do something or believe something else that you think will allow you to escape the presence and the knowledge of God? Have you ever tried to do that? God's everywhere. If we go to the heavens, that's north. He's north. If we go down to the depths, that's south, he's south. If we go to the wings of the dawn, he's east, he's west. God is everywhere. And when we're running from God, when we get to where we think we can go to hide or do something, he is already there. This is another one of those big theological words. Not only is he omniscient, he knows everything totally. God is also what? Omnipresent. He is everywhere present in his fullness and in his reality. Land or sea, God is there. In time or in eternity, God is there. And God is there, he is both transcendent above it all and he is also imminent, he is near. Many times when we're meeting during the week to help plan our worship services, when I lead those meetings, I, I talk about this. I'm like, how are we in our worship and our singing and our prayers and our sermons, how are we doing communicating the best we can the transcendence, God is holy, God is other, God is unlimited, he is powerful, and the imminence, God is near, he is close. How are we doing at communicating that? Like the song, the Revelation song we sang earlier, right? Holy is the Lamb, right? Holy is the Lamb, worthy is the Lamb, right? That sits on the throne, that's his transcendence. And then the last song, let me tell you about my Jesus, that's more imminence that he's near. So God is big, God is transcendent, God is all powerful, and at the same time, God is close, God is near, God is everywhere. We cannot escape the presence of the all-knowing, all-powerful God. In Him, we live and move and have our being. It's Sunday, but God's already in your Monday. He's hemmed you in behind and before. And again, it's maybe a, a great truth to know that God is everywhere, everywhere I go, everywhere I go, God is there, God is there, God is there. 
but then the personal truth that this psalm hits at again is that not only is God everywhere, but God is with you. God is with you. He's with you whether you feel like it or not. He's with you whether you acknowledge his presence or not. God is always with us. Jesus promised in Matthew 28, I will never leave you or forsake you. God is with you. I think about this little girl whose father left her in a pretty dramatic fashion when she was just a little girl, just a kid. And she was like, daddy, don't leave. Daddy, don't leave. Daddy, don't leave. And she grew up and she had a hard time in her life, but later on she had this really incredible experience of God and the grace of God. She became born again and she began to grow in her relationship with God. But as she grew, her biggest fear was that God would not leave her like her father did. And she would pray, oh God, don't leave me. Don't leave me. And he never has. He never has. Where does God live? Where does God dwell? Isaiah 15 says that God dwells on the most high. It also says that God dwells with those who are contrite in spirit. Those who are broken and bruised and downtrodden. God is with them. That's where he is. This passage basically says, no matter who you are, no matter what you do, no matter where you go, God is gonna pursue you to the ends of the earth. To the ends of the earth. Now, this is good news. It's good news if, if, if we can say, right, God knows me. It's good news to say, God's never gonna leave me. But you know what? The news is even better. It's not good news, it's not great news because the gospel, the gospel takes Psalm 139 to an HNL, a whole nother level. Look at, look at Romans 8.38. We should do a series on Romans 8 sometime. Romans 8.38. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels or demons nor the present nor the future or any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
God is with you. God knows you. And through Christ and what Christ has done for you on the cross and the resurrection, he eternally loves you. And nothing on earth, nothing outside of the earth can separate us, can separate you from the love of God in Christ. So if we're worried, oh no, not only does God know the good things about me and God's watching over me, God knows those shameful things about me. God knows those secret things about me. We know that when we come clean, when we come to Jesus Christ, that he forgives us. He takes away that guilt. He takes away that shame. It's on the cross. It's done. And I know that God not only knows me and sees me, and it's not only with me, but God deeply and personally loves me. God loves the world. That's great. He loves the world. God loves me. God loves you personally. And nothing can separate us from that love. Tim Keller, who passed away recently, put, put it this way. This is, this is an iconic quote, in my opinion. He said, do to be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. To be known and not loved is our greatest fear. But to be fully known and truly loved is, well, a lot like being loved by God. It is what we need more than anything. Anything. Threats. Attacks, big threats, big attacks will come our way. But we serve and we worship a bigger God. Stay close to the God who knows you. Stay close to the God who is with you and stay close to the God who loves you completely and thoroughly in Christ. That's a much bigger boat.